Well, praise God, church. Get your Bibles out this morning. Man, you should be excited about the Word of God. Now, I preached a message last week about the rock. If you didn't hear it, you need to get it, listen to it. But I'm going to do the rock too. Today. So get your, I mean, turn your Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 6. Now, I'm so glad that I, you know, I got a few new faces this morning because see, then I, all my stories, the old people around here that have heard all my stories, you know, I just number them, you know, like I just say number 23 and then everybody laughs and uh, because they've heard them so many times and see if I see a new face, so then I get to say, hey, glory to God, you know, that person has not heard number 23. So I get to tell the whole story again. And so you may have heard me preach a message similar to this. I guarantee you didn't hear it exactly like it because it's always different. But it's a story of Gideon. And I was reading this and came across it. And it just jumps off the page to me. And I said, man, i got to preach this again. i just got to preach it because to me it's one of the most exciting stories in the Bible. I love stories. I love to be a storyteller. I love to listen to storytellers. And, I, and as I read the story of Gideon, it's so, man, it's so relevant for today and where we live. You're going to find yourself in this story. It's like the prodigal son. You're in here somewhere, all right? You just go to looking, and you just open up your heart right now. You're going to find where you're at in this story. So I'm going to have to do a little bit of reading, and y'all hang with me on it. And then I'm going to, I'm going to bring out some points about it. Now, it starts in verse 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites and the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. You notice how it says that? It doesn't say they made for them caves, den, and strongholds. It says the caves, the dens, and the strongholds. Y'all see that? It's kind of weird. And you look it up and you go to study it, and it, they're trying to make that a... Uh, what do you call it? They're trying to make a, a, a big distinction that, you know, they went and they, they constructed this. Some of them went into the caves and some of them the dens and the strongholds. Everybody just say the dens, the caves, and the strongholds. Each and every one of us at some point in our life, whenever life starts to go south with us and we start to, you know, maybe get crazy or whatever, or you've got an abusive family or an abusive parent or something goes wrong in life, what happens to us in life is we start making the dens, the caves, and the strongholds. We start constructing them. We go out there, and you just want to dig a hole. Hello? You just want the world to stop. You want to get out of everything. You just want everything to go away. So what you want to do is you just want to make a hole, right? I saw an article about, uh, it was a, I think it was a salt mine over in Germany that was, uh, a person bought it and then went in there and completely made in the mines all these huge elaborate homes and they started selling them off to the wealthy as doomsday bunkers, but they were like doomsday bunkers with their own indoor jacuzzi, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I thought to myself, you know, looking at it, yeah, you made a You made your den look nicer, but you're still living under the ground. Hello? And sometimes we're like that. We get into a bad situation and we 
We get kind of crazy and we start doing things that are kind of crazy, but then we just try to make our crazy look nicer. But the problem is we're still in crazy. We're still in the den. We're still in the cave. We're still in bondage, right? Okay. Well, this is where Israel had gotten. The Midianites were coming down. It says that they were so numerous. They're like, all man, they brought all their camels. They brought all the donkeys. They brought everybody. They went in there. They ate all the product up, all the wheat up, all the, all the grazing up, everything that Israel had. And so because of that, it caused Israel to retreat. So when I get through this message today, I'm, I want every one of you to go home and you're going to be sharpening your sword. You're just going to go home and get the wet rocks out and start sharpening your swords. You're going to be ready to kill something when today's over, I guarantee you. Because what they did is they kept retreating and retreating and retreating until there was no place else to retreat to. Now, what does the Bible tell us in John 10? That the thief comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, right? So the Midian is the thief here. They're coming in and they're killing, stealing, and destroying Israel, not totally annihilating them, not causing death within them, but causing them to retreat. So I want you to ask yourself this question. What in life is causing you to retreat? Just think about it. Is it people? You've gotten in a bad batch of people. You've got crazies all around you that have caused you to retreat. Is it sickness? And it got real quiet in here. Y'all got deathly quiet. I mean, I said think, but you can think with a little, you know. I mean, I felt like the oxygen just got sucked out of here when I said that. You see, like if you, if you have had a bad relationship with a person, well, then you don't want to be around people. And then if you see anybody that's like that, well, then, man, you're, you're dodging, you're running, you're going back to your den, your cave, or your stronghold. And if you don't get healed of that, then what happens to you is you become dysfunctional in life. And I'm going to show you at the end of the message what to do, but I'm just trying to open something up to you. You're going to become dysfunctional in life. And so what happens is you begin to do things that are creating bad habits in your life. You do things that are creating strongholds in your life. Hello? And it all came about because if you look at verse 10, it says they didn't obey the voice of the Lord. It's the reason why this happened to them. So what happened was, is they got broken fellowship with their father. They got broken fellowship with him. And so because of broken fellowship, it drove them into this situation to where now they're not operating from the altar of God. They're operating from the dens, the caves, and the strongholds of their life. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, man, that is good. Okay, so then God here, he wants to turn things around. So it says, uh, let's pick it up. Verse 8. Then the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, out of the hand of all who oppressed you, drove them out before you, gave you their land. Also, I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Pick it up. Verse 11. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is in Ophrah, which is belongs to Joash, the Ab Ab Abizarite. 
while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared in him and said, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. What? The dude's hiding in a winepress, beating out a few, few heads of wheat, trying to get him a little something to eat. He's hiding. He's retreated. He's in there. He's hiding. And the angel says, Hail, O mighty man of God, man of valor. And Gideon's like, What? You talking to me? You talking to me? Now, you've got to understand something. Now, this is just, this is just some theology, okay, out there. So it's not that, that, that big a deal. But every time in the Old Testament you see angel of the Lord and it's capitalized, all right, that was, that was Jesus before he came to earth. Okay, that was Jesus before he, we knew him as Jesus, the angel of the Lord, the captain of the host, the captain of the armies of God, the angel of the Lord. So just give this to me, all right? This morning I'm painting with a big brush and I'm preaching. Okay, so Jesus comes to him and he says, Hello, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, what are you talking to me? Nothing shows that he's a man of valor. Nothing in the natural shows he's a man of valor. Matter of fact, if you go look at it uh, on down in the verses, he says, well, I'm from the least of the families. I'm, I'm the smallest tribe. I can't do anything. So whines and whines. And you got to understand something. When Jesus is talking to him, he's looking at him there. All right? He's not looking at him as who he is in the natural. He's looking at his potential in God. Do you hear what I'm saying, church? He's looking at his potential in God. Now, the other day, it was really pretty bad. I hate to even tell this about myself, but y'all know all my stories anyway. So I don't like to clothes shop. My wife usually buys clothes for me, brings them home. I try them on. If I like them, I keep them. If I don't, she takes them back. I'm sorry. You say, well, you are such a brute and a male chauvinist. I cannot stand to go in a store. At first, I can't stand to stand in a dressing room, take off clothes and try shirts on and stuff like that. Just can't stand it. I just as soon wear a sack than to, do, than to have to go do that kind of stuff. But anyway, I was in the store the other day with my wife. And so she said, oh, my gosh, look at these shirts. Go try it on. So I said, well, all right, you know. So I go into the waiting room or the dressing room. And, and I, as many I went in there, first, let me, let me go back up a little bit. The store that we're shopping in, I'm not even going to tell you what it is, the store. But... It, it should be like something that ministers to my heart, but I hate it. I hate the store. I, I feel like I'm demonically oppressed every time I go in the store. I do not like the store. They have things that we need, and, and it's, you know, whatever, but I hate it. There's something about it just, I mean, I get irritated when I'm in there. I'm just wanting to fight. I'm wanting to, just, I'm wanting to do ugly things like throw clothes on the floor and just walk off. You know what I mean? It just, just gets down in my soul. And so my wife's like stroking me like, a, like she's petting a dog trying to keep me calm, you know? And she said, you can do it. You can do it. Go on in the, go on in the dressing room. You can do it. You can do it. So I go in the dressing room. And as soon as I walked into this place, I looked at the mirror. And as I looked at the mirror, I was like, that's, that's a dumb mirror. Because it's really wide and not very long. Well, y'all know what a fat mirror looks like, right? 
So I just kind of ignore the mirror. I'm just trying to see, does the shirt fit? I don't care what it looks like on me. I'm not, I'm not sizing. In the, I'm just, I will know immediately when I put it on if I like it. So I turn my back to the mirror. And so I put the shirt on, and I was like, man, got enough room. Yeah, yeah, I see. Pretty good. So I took it off. I didn't look. I just felt it because I knew that was a fat mirror behind me. So then I got the next shirt, and I put the next shirt on. Well, the next shirt seems tight. It's the same brand, same size, and everything. So I turned around, and when I turned around and looked in the mirror, I was like, that is not the image of me. That is ridiculous. I look like I'm this tall and this wide. I mean, why would they put a mirror? Who's going to buy it? I go outside, man. I'm just griping. I go outside. Tell them, what kind of stupid idiots would put a mirror like that in a dressing room that you're trying to buy clothes? I mean, dear Lord, make one really narrow and really long. Make everybody look tall. Say, ho, ho, ho. But like I'm telling you this story, you know, like I got, yeah, I, I'll admit it. I got some problems. I'm getting close to 16. I'm losing all my, you know, my, and I, I look at things like that. And I don't like, you know, young, flat-bellied, muscled people. I'm like, you punk. One of these days going to come to you. One of these days, you're going to have a hard time getting out of your truck. You just wait, boy. You know, so, I mean, I got this attitude anyway. And I was already mad at this mannequin because this mannequin, they, they had, the, what is that, Under Armour? And they had this mannequin there. And I was like. They had to special order that thing. I mean, look at it. He's got like 19-inch guns. He's sending like an underarm. I said, what do they think? If I put it on, I'm going to look like that? I said, what a stupid mannequin. So anyway, this image I saw of myself in this fat mirror, I started walking out. I instantly had to start rebuking it. I said, that's not me. That is not me. I guarantee that's not me. This is a distortion of me. Now, hear what I'm saying. This is good, church. This will minister to your heart. I know it's funny, and you're all laughing at me and looking at my waistline right now, but anyway. <laughs> that was a distorted image of me. I went home, got in the mirror at our house, which is a normal, you know, expensive, nice mirror that's tall and long. Like you're supposed to, and I looked at myself and said, that's what I look like. That is me. No, I'm not perfect, but that's me. That other image is not me. And I'll tell you what, the devil comes into your life, and he places an image on the inside of your head. And you got that fat mirror image stuck on the inside of you, or that wimp image, or that the, the, the person that's going to get beat up image, or that, that, that whatever image is stuck on the inside of you. And that's what you're looking at. But I'm telling you, this morning, God wants to break that in your life. He wants to destroy that distorted image that no one loves you, no one likes you, you're not pretty enough, you're not this, you're not that, you're not about. He wants to destroy it. Come on now. I'm preaching good. Because God wants you to see you how God sees you. Hello? Now, the Bible says, now see, there's, there's two different things. If, if you're listening to this broadcast today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not saved. You're not in covenant relationship with him. You've never made him the Lord of your life. Well, I hate to tell you, uh, then you're, 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 you're in a bad place, yes, but your image has to be changed by you giving your life to Christ. But if you're in here today or you're listening to the broadcast and you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, well, then when Jesus looks at you, he sees his blood, now, we don't get that idea. You know, we're like, oh, if somebody walked in here bloody, we'd be calling the MS. Right? But the image of Jesus looking at you is by his blood, you have been cleansed. The Bible says you've become holy, righteous, and unblameable in his sight. So the image that Jesus has of you is the image that he sees you at, and he sees your potential. 
So when he looked, I know it's old covenant. He wasn't saved and I'm preaching and coming out with a big broad brush this morning, but give it to me. When he looked at Gideon, he's looking at Gideon seeing his potential in Christ. And he's looking at Gideon saying, hey, you mighty man of valor, you're going to defeat a whole nation of Midianites for me. That's what he's thinking. But the world's got Gideon pressed down and pushed down and defeated and got that image of that fat mirror in him. And all he can do is beat that little weed and say, man, I hope I can get home and get me a loaf of bread made before the Midianites steal it. And when he got home with his little loaf of bread and his little, got his little meal and went home to his wife and said, oh, we can make a little bread. He was excited. Oh, praise God. God's really with me. I made it home without getting attacked by the Midianites. And God's saying, I want you to destroy the nation. This is where God says we don't think like he thinks. Yeah, because God's wanting Gideon to destroy a nation, and Gideon's just trying to get home and make one little cake. He's trying to get a biscuit made. Are y'all with me? He thinks he can make two biscuits. And God says, no, no, no. I see you wanting, I'm going to use you to destroy the nation of Midian. You see, folks, you've got to let the Holy Spirit come on the inside of you and destroy that image in that fat mirror. You've got to get that distorted image of you out of your life, and you've got to get the image of who Christ sees you as. Oh, he just sees me as, oh, I'm just, I just mess up all the time. No, he doesn't see you like that. He sees your potential. Now, this gets better. Okay? This is what Gideon replies, verse 13. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where is all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He has the audacity to turn to the angel of the Lord, to Jesus, and say, well, if that's so, then how come all this is happening to us? Nothing drives me crazier than people who don't serve God, who don't worship God, who don't have a relationship with Jesus. When something goes wrong in their life, they turn on God and say, why did you let this happen to me? And I'm like, I, I, I don't understand. That's like, that's like, you know, you, well, I don't know what it's like. It's like stupid. You know? It's like owning a, a Ford truck and it breaks down and you go to the Chevy dealership and say, why'd y'all let this happen to me? And they say, well, you own a Ford. It's not one of ours. It doesn't make any difference. It's a, it's a truck and a truck's a truck. Y'all make trucks and you make trucks and you let this happen to me. They say, you're, you're retarded. Get out of here. You can't do this. This doesn't make any sense. Are y'all with me? Yet... You don't serve God. You're not in fellowship with him. You're not in relationship with him. You're not studying the word. You don't understand what the rules are. You don't understand what's going on. You don't understand how God's flowing and operating. You don't worship him. You don't do anything. And yet something bad happens. Immediately say, well, God did it. Right? So if you're caught in that this morning, because see, the devil really wants to use that. The devil loves to come and whisper in your ear and say, well, you know, if God really loved you, this wouldn't be happening. He loves to do that. It's his favorite trick. It's the favorite thing of the enemy to come in there and whisper in your ears and say, if, if you were really, God really loved you, if you were really good, if everything was okay, you know, you, you, everything would be all right. You wouldn't be walking through this. He loves that trick. 
Because then you get into doubt. Everybody say doubt. Look at the person beside you and say, don't walk, don't walk in doubt. Because what happens is the moment you get into doubt, you're not in faith. Right? Because doubt is the opposite of faith. And faith is the only thing, the Bible says, that moves the hand of God. So you have to stop looking at saying, why? Get out of that. Just get out of it. It happened. People spend too much time trying to... What's the word? Trying to... Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, well, what do you call it when you take a... Like, like in school... Uh, and you dissect, thank you, whoever said that. Whenever you dissect, they're trying to spend too much time trying to dissect the animal, the problem, the thing, and trying to figure out all these things. Look, it happened. We've got to pick up and go on. We've got to get in faith. Don't get in doubt. Don't get so caught up in the dissection of, of what's happening in life. Just start living life in faith. If not, you'll be like Gideon, and you'll find yourself, and you'll remain in the strongholds, in the dens, and in the caves. You will not be set free as long as you're trying to say, well, God, you, you know, when I did this, and I said, you did that, and you did that, and then he did this, and she said this, and if you really were going to do this, and you did that, and you're spending your whole life like that, you're not getting anywhere. All you're doing is breeding doubt in your life, okay? Now, <clears throat> let me get to the good stuff. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. What might? Now listen to this. What might? He's hiding in the wine press. The only might that I can really see in him, he's not scared to back talk the angel of the Lord. And that could just be ignorance. Right? That's about the only might I can see that he would just stand up and say, what about these? I want to break this verse down in, into two. The first thing I want you to look at is he says, go. Go in this might of yours. Now, according to Romans 12, 3, each one of us, every man, woman, child on the face of this earth has been dealt a measure of faith. According to Romans 12, 3. Right? It says, for I say that through grace it was given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of himself as he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to everyone a measure of faith. Everyone has an ability to believe. A measure of faith. All right? A measure of faith. Doesn't say you have all faith, but you have a measure of faith. But how big is your measure? Have y'all noticed, like, I bet they make them, and I'm, I'm needing them. You know, like you start to look at it, what's a teaspoon or, you know, half teaspoon, quarter teaspoon, you know, have a little, and they always write it on there. If you get the ones that have like molded plastic and they have the number molded in there, have you noticed how you can't read it? It's an impossibility, all right, to see what it is. You could just as soon put your thumb on it and hope you could feel Braille, you know, you can't see what it's in there. You don't know what the measure is, if that is a half, a quarter, whatever. But I'm saying to you, everybody's been dealt a measure, all right? Well, the good news is Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 17, 20 says all you need is a mustard seed of faith. 
Because of your unbelief, he said, I surely I say unto you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, I'll say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. A mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? A little bitty old seed. A little bitty tiny seed. So if you've already been dealt a measure, and it only takes a mustard seed to move a mountain, then it, we're all equipped. Do you follow what I'm saying? No one in here can say, well, I just don't have enough faith to believe. Well, you only need a mustard seed to move a mountain, and you've all been dealt a measure, so... Hello? Y'all with me? So everybody say, I'm equipped. You've already, you already got everything in you you need. But you've got to be doing something with it. You could take a mustard seed and just hold it in your hand, the mustard seed, and, and it's never going to grow. It's never going to sprout. It's never going to do anything. It's never going to produce. Right? It'll just sit there dormant in your laying there in your hand until it's got to get into the ground, right? And then the got to have water, and it's going to break down, and it begins to take root seed and everything, but it, you've got to do something with it. Looking at it is not going to make it grow. Showing people, oh, look at my mustard seed. <laughs> Ain't going to work. So when God looked at Gideon and said, hell, yo, mighty man of valor, He's looking at the mustard seed of faith on the inside of him, knowing that he can become a mighty man because he sees his potential on the inside of him to defeat all of the Midianites. God is looking at each and every one of you today. He's looking down inside of your heart. He knows that you're equipped with at least a mustard seed of faith in you. He's looking at your potential saying, oh, they, I want you to just take over that nation. I, oh, let's just put it down. I, I'm going to watch them defeat sickness. I'm going to watch them defeat poverty. I'm going to watch them see their whole family get saved. I'm going to watch them uh, you know, do this. I'm going to watch them do it because they have the potential, the potential being the seed of faith that's on the inside of you. But you got to do something with it. You can't walk around and say, oh, if God would do this, or oh, God, I know it would be so great if you would do this. No, he's saying, I want you to go. I want you to have some action to your faith. I want you to have faith that moves mountains. I want you to have faith that moves because James 2 and 20 says, don't you know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Faith has to have some action to it. So he told Gideon, go in this might of yours. Are you hearing me? Everybody say, I got a measure of faith. Faith's not asking and waiting for God to do something. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to understand this. I know that people have taken the faith message and maybe just, you know, made a mess of preaching it and doing it. But I want you to understand something. You are not going to move. You're not going to see God move and all you do is sit around and ask God to do something. God wants you to do something. God wants you to take some action. Now, you've got to have action based upon what his word is he tells you to do, which I'll show you here in just a minute. You've got to follow directions, right? But in general, in general, if you don't put action to your faith, you're not going to see God move. You got up in today and had action that you put to your faith and you came to church. You didn't just sit at home and say, man, we ought to go to church. It'd be really good. I bet the presence of God's there. I bet, that, bet God's doing all kinds of great things. 
But this is going to be a great, great message. But it's going to be faith. Yeah, we ought to go. But you don't go. If you don't get up and go, then how could you do that? Right? You can talk all the good things. Oh, it's the best church. I've got the greatest church. You can tell everybody how great your church is. Oh, but never go. Are you following me? Faith has got action to it. But what's really scary is so does doubt. Ask yourself the question, are you operating the actions of your life? Are you operating more in faith or in doubt? Because doubt has action to it also. Oh, I'm not going to go there. Oh, I'm not going to. It has action to it. You put action to it. And the moment you put action to doubt, boom, you're sunk. Look at the person and say, man, I just love Pastor. Man, I love him. He just speaks the truth all the time to me, helps me. You got to look at this. Gideon, he's trying to, he's looking at his potential. He's looking at him, you know, like, just give me this one. He's just looking, Wah. he's seeing down on the inside of me, seeing right through everything, seeing through it. I can see that faith on the inside of him. I can see that mustard seed out of faith. He can destroy that whole nation of Midian. And let me go to the second part of that. Well, okay, let me continue. He says, go in this might of yours. So the second part of that first, first, faith has action. But then what's the mighty part of him is, man, folks, the word of God, the promise of God that we have, that if we'll just take that faith, and put it in that word, we see something happen. It's a mighty thing. It's a powerful, mighty, mighty thing. Are you following me? The mighty thing you have on the inside of you is your knowledge of the word of God, which takes me to the next point. Look at verse 23. So Gideon has makes some lunch for him and and then it says in verse 23, And the Lord said, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Do not fear. You shall not die. Do not fear. You shall not die. Isaiah 55, 11. It says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing that I sent it to. God's word never fails, folks. The mighty thing that he had, the might, go in your might, the might being his ability to believe and his ability to have faith. And in the word of God, listen to me, you're not going to fail. When I read that, it said to me, to me, I read it like this. Do not fear, you shall not fail. See, when you get in God and you're flowing with God and the things of God, you're not going to fail. Why? Because if you're standing on God's word, it's impossible for God's word to fail. You're standing on the rock. That's what you're believing in. When you're standing on the rock, and the rock is, you're in the rock, on the rock. You're in the rock, all over the rock, lounging on the rock. You're in the rock, right? Then that's what's firm to you. It's faith to you. It's strength to you. It's not a scary thing to be believing God. It's not a scary thing to stand on his promise, to know that, his word is always going to accomplish everything that it's sent out to do. Are you with me? Luke 9.26 says, 
For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed of when he comes in his glory. So God said, let me paraphrase that a little bit. If you're not ashamed of me, I'm not ashamed of you. How can you ever be wrong? To the world, they may want to scream and say, oh, that's foolishness, that's crazy talk, that what faith stuff, hey, you know. But to the man, the Christian that's saying, no, I believe, the, I believe God's word's true. I believe the promises of God are yes and amen to me. I'm believing that God will do what he said he would do. See, I can't get past, I, I have great comfort, put it this way, I have great comfort in me reading my Bible and knowing what it says. Brings me great comfort. Because then I know what the promise says. And when I see that the promise says to me that all things are possible to him that believe, then it brings me comfort because I'm like, okay, that's a promise. You said that, Lord. I didn't say it. You said it. I wouldn't have offered that deal. You follow me? Me? I'm not that, I'm not that compassionate. I wouldn't have just said, yeah, you just, just repent and you can have it again. I said, no, you, you need at least a big burn mark on your back or something where I... Are you with me? As humans, we're, we're not as compassionate as God is. God said, no, no, no. You mess up, repent, and start back over from where you're at. You won't lose any ground. Just start right where you're at. Right where you're at. I mean, he's full of compassion. But when I read my Bible and I've come across a word and I'm like, wow. And you said, all things that I ask in prayer and faith, believing, you, I shall receive. Wow. So that my joy can be full. You just want me happy. That just blows my mind. And I'm like, well, you said it. I didn't say it. That's out there. It's available for me. I just need to be walking in it. I just need to just walk in what you said, Lord. Because, I mean, goodness gracious, you said it, not me. You made the covenant, not me. You made the deal, not me. You went to the cross, not me. Hello? So it makes me, like, I, I, I'm strong in it. They said, well, you've misinterpreted the word. Okay, well, interpret it the way you want to. I'm happy. I've told you this, and I mean this. I want to get to heaven, and the, you know, if I'm going to get it, if I did something wrong, I want to get to heaven, and God say to me, Robert, I was never going to do that. You believed me for too much. I don't want to get to heaven, and He said, Why didn't you just believe me? I would have done it. I want to go the other way. I want to get chastised for thinking He was too big, too great, too amazing, too going to do so many, many miracles. Are y'all with me? I don't want to get to heaven and find out, oh, why didn't you just ask me and I'd have done it? Well, I don't know. I thought I was living in my den in those days in my cave, and I just you know, wanted a little candle. I didn't know that I could have had a mansion outside in the sun. <laughs> Y'all with me? Okay, last point. Let me make sure I didn't lie. Yeah, last point. Skip on over because I don't want to take time to read all this because the last point's the main point. Look down at verse 36. I mean, you need to stop and read this whole chapter, chapter 6. But down here in verse 36. So Gideon said to the Lord, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, look, I should put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on the ground, then you shall know that you shall save Israel by my hand, as I've said. And so it was, he arose the next early in the next morning, and he squeezed out the fleece together and wrung out a, uh, the dew out of the fleece in a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to the Lord, do, you not be angry? do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more the fleece, that it will be dry only on the fleece. Let, let it be dry only on the fleece, but on the ground let there be dew. And the Lord did it that night. Okay. The fleece, putting out a fleece. 
Oh, Christians love to put out fleeces. And the reason why we love to put out fleeces, let me stand over here so I can duck if somebody throws an egg at me or something. The reason why we love to put out fleeces is because we don't have enough fellowship and relationship with the Lord to hear his voice plainly and clearly on a topic or a subject. And so we just put out a fleece. So, you know, we pray something like, Lord, uh, tomorrow if Ethel calls, then uh, I'll know that that was you. And so then if he does, he said, okay, well, then I'll, I guess then you want me to do that. You ever thought about what if the devil heard what you said? Well, that can't be because the devil can't make Ethel call. <laughs> it's amazing the things we have faith in and the things that we don't have faith in. And a lot of times we have faith in things that are not based even on the word or based even on logic. I know the Spirit of God will move if I'll stand on one foot in tree pose. I'll hear the Spirit of God. So we love to put out fleeces, but I want to show you something. I want you to turn to Hebrews 12.1. And I want to show you that God has already put a fleece out for us. I've showed you that this morning that you don't want to live in the dens, the caves, or the strongholds. I've showed you this morning that you already have a faith on the inside of you so that you can go. You already have a might on the inside of you because you have the word of God that never fails. And I want to show you that he's already given you a fleece, a fleece that stands forever. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight of sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Go ahead and put that up for me, Kim. The fleece that God has already given you is laid out is right here. The fleece that he already says, it comes down to this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And do you believe that on the cross, he paid the price to make you righteous? And if you believe that, then folks, let me tell you, you got it all done. You've got your fleece because the cross is what brings about everything in your life. Brings about every one of the promises of God in your life. Brings about every one of the blessings in your life. Brings about everything in your life. The cross. If Jesus finished the work on the cross and is sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God, your answer for everything then in life is yes. The only thing you've got to wrestle with is, is that the fleece? You see, Gideon, he needed something, some sign, some sign, hard evidence, some physical hard evidence. I'm going to put the... The lamb skin down, if it's got dew on it, then they heard me. Okay, well, I don't want to be too much of a problem, but, you know, because this is, this is Gideon, right? I don't want to be too much of a problem, but I'm, let's just do it in reverse tomorrow. Let it be dry and the ground be wet. So God said, okay, I'll show you a sign. I'll show you a sign that I'll do what I said I would do. Hear what I'm saying? I'll show you a sign that I will do what I said I will do. He says to you this morning, I will show you a sign. There he is. On the cross, I will show you a sign that I will do what I said I will do. 
And it's in Jesus, because in Jesus, if he is the son of God, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, and the Bible says, if you've got faith and believing in him, then all the promises of God are yes and amen to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? They're all yours. You're not wrestling to see God. I wonder if God would do this. I wonder if God would do that. I wonder if God. No, no, no. Take it like Gideon did. Say, hey, hey, the lamb skin's dry. The cross right there. If you're believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins, then folks, you've already got your fleece laid out. There's no sense letting the devil talk you into believing anything else. There's no sense letting the devil take you down any other road. There's no sense in letting the devil steal joy from you. There's no sense in letting the devil do anything in the world for you. You believe Jesus. He's your answer. There he is on the cross and resurrection Sunday rose from the dead. You've got your sign. You have got your sign. Jesus on the cross dying for you. No need for another sign. So now you can take what he said to Gideon and say, don't fear. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fall short. You're not going to get left. You're not going to go broke. You're not going to die prematurely. I don't care what it is in life. It can't kill me. I want to tell you something. I want to die on the day when Jesus tells me it's time for me to go home. End of story. Now, if I go home and start playing Russian roulette, you know, that's my own stupidity. Hello? Can you sit there and say, well, what if this happened? Or, well, wait a minute. The promises of God are yes and amen to you. Yes, we get some, some hard wax in life. Yes, sometimes uh, things are thrown in our direction we don't want to mess with. But you know what? If you take the attitude like Gideon said, you know what? <clears throat> you picked the wrong person. I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to beat you bad. I'm going to make you hurt. I'm going to make you suffer. You're going to find out picking on me was the wrong person to pick on. The devil's a bully. That's all he is, is a bully. He wants to, he wants to push you. He wants to, 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 to steal from you. He wants to make you think that he's so powerful, so strong, and I'm telling you, you're going to get to heaven. You know, the Bible says it. It actually says it in Isaiah, that you're going to get to heaven. You can look at him and say, that? That? That was a devil? I mean, Hollywood wants to make it up, you know, this horned beast that comes coming up and whatever. Right? And when I read that scripture and I've read it and read it and studied it and looked at it, it's, a, it's like you can go look at everything about it. It's a surprise that that's all it was. So it's like, to me, like a chihuahua that barks like a Doberman. Right? When he's the longest, he's behind the counter and you can't see it. You think it's a Doberman. And then he finally sticks his head around and looks, and it's just a chihuahua with a very deep voice. And you're like, really? I'll kick you across the room. Right? But he's just back there. And you say, my God, the Rottweiler back here. And that's the, that's, the, that's the connotation of that scripture in Isaiah that we look over and say, that? That was the devil. That's what fooled me. That's what fooled the nations. That's what got everybody to not serving God. And over here, you can't even look because God's 
bright and the light's so bright and it's just so, so amazing. And then you look over there and you're like, that? That fooled me from serving him? That fooled me from not believing? That fooled me from not having and using my measure of faith for God? Folks, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to get out of our dens and our caves and our strongholds. It's time for us to rise up. And if you say, well, I don't know how to get out of my den, my cave, my stronghold. Well, talk to Dr. Brown. We'll take you right through Freedom Prayer. We'll help you out. We'll give you some keys to unlock the doors and get out. It's no good living in a cold, damp, musty place. You need some fresh air. You need the life of the Holy Spirit blowing through your life. Bringing victory when you look at a situation, you're like, man, I can, I can, I can, I can do this. It's, this ain't no problem. Yeah, I can defeat that. Yeah, I can walk in victory in that. Yeah, Lord. Start to see yourself. Get that bad image out of your mind. Get that fat mirror image out of your mind. Start to see yourself like Superman. Dun, dun, dun. Have you ever, maybe this is too much for you. Maybe this is just, maybe I'm just going overboard now. But have you ever just spent a day complimenting yourself? You say, well, that's just arrogant. That's just crazy. <clears throat> well, you spend a day tearing yourself down. You're so stupid. I can't believe you did that. You're so, God, we're so forgetful. You're just, you're a procrastinator. You're, we're saying all these things to ourselves all the time. But how about you just look in the mirror and say, hello, good looking. You say, well, you're crazy. Yeah, I know. But sometimes it takes crazy like that to break yourself out of the den. Whenever I find out anything about myself, you know, like Laura, she'll say, well, what, what, you know, what did the doctor say? What did they say? I say, man, it said, you know, if it was anybody else, they'd be like on an air flight helicopter San Antonio to the hospital, be taking care of them, but pff, I just shook it off. Don't I say that all the time? I say, you had killed anybody else. Anybody else be dying, but I'm blessed God. Overcoming, more to conquer, tear this thing up. Can't stay in my body, bless God. You have to do that, church. You have to do that. You say, well, you're just, you know, you're just being silly. No, I'm being real. Because I want to tell you something. You don't have any problem tearing yourself down. Why don't you learn to build yourself up with the Word of God? Devil says one thing for you, you trip your toe and say, <laughs> Why don't you just turn it around? Grab him by his old tail, shake him around a little bit and say, You want some of me? Say, Man, this ain't no problem. No step for me. Bless God. I can conquer it, I can overcome it. Lord, just give me the direction. I'll go in the smite you gave me, and we'll defeat the enemy. Amen? Amen? We'll put your Bibles up and stand to your feet. So it's the cross, church. There it is. There's your fleece. Do you believe it? If you're out there listening today or watching the broadcast and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, today's your day. I encourage you right where you are just to begin to call out on him. Believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he went to the cross, that he paid the price for you and for me. And he is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Ask him to come into your life. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. And he will. The spirit of God will touch you right where you are. He will bless you. 
He will heal you. Now, if you're, in, if you're in here, can I have my prayer team come down? If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, we've got a prayer team up here to pray with you. And I'm not going to ask you for like a show of hands and, and, and do all this. I just want you to understand. Do not walk out of that door unless you know that you know that you know that you know that you're right with Jesus. If you're not right with Jesus, then just come up here. And ask one of these people to pray with you. And you know what will happen? Spirit of God will come, and he'll touch you, and he'll bless you, and your life can be changed today. For all the rest of you out here, it's time to crawl out of your cave. It's time to get out of the strongholds. It's time to get out of the dens of life. It's time to step out and to walk in the power and the might of the Lord and to know that you've got a fleece that's already paid for. It's the cross. And let the Spirit of God lead you and guide you in a, man, a wonderful life with Him. So I want to pray for you. So grab the hand of the person beside you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every person here. I pray over every person listening and watching today. That where they've been captive in the, in the dens, in the caves, in the strongholds, that right now, Lord, you'd break that off of them. You'd show the light outside so bright that they'd want to go to it. They'd want to get out of their old musty place, that old, dry, that old wet, musty area and, and of the cave, and get out into some good Holy Ghost wind and breath of God. I just declare, Lord God, that you breathe life into each and every one of the people here today. Everyone listening and watching, Lord, you breathe life into them. I pray, Lord, right now, Lord God, that we would see that we can go in the might and the power of you and to walk in victory in anything in life. Lord, the problems that people have had, anybody in here today, anybody watching that has got a problem that just seems so big today, I ask you to destroy it and let them see how big the cross is. Let them see how big you are, Jesus. And totally annihilate that situation. Father, I ask you just to bless them today. And to put your hand on them. That as we go outside into this world, that we'll be able to tell people the good news of you, Jesus. And how great you are. So, Lord, I thank you for it. And I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. And we're down here up front to pray for you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.